0: probably easier for him to see his insanity because he lost everything that he had, period. A high-bottom drunk who hasn't lost a lot of stuff, sometimes it's a little more difficult for them to see it. But I'll tell you, whether you're low-bottom or high-bottom, if you get drunk, you're going to get drunk the same way, believing something that is not true. Let's go to page... Whatever the next one is, 39. Thirty nine. My, my old page is so tore up. I can't read it anymore. And we're going to look at a guy named Fred. Now, Fred is the opposite of Jim. Fred is high bottom. Fred never lost anything. Jim didn't feel too good the day he got drunk. Fred is on top of the world the day he gets drunk. Yet he got drunk the same way he believed a lie. Let's look at, his, at Fred's line.
1: Page 39 said, Fred is a partner in a well-known accounting firm. His income is good. He has a fine home. He's happily married and father of promising children of college age. Now, he has so attractive a personality that he makes friends with everyone. If ever there was a successful businessman, it's Fred. Now, to all appearance, he is a stable, well-balanced individual, yet he's alcoholic. Now, we first saw Fred about a year ago in a hospital where he'd gone to recover from a bad case of the jitters. It was his first experience of this kind, and he was much ashamed of it. Far from admitting he was an alcoholic, he told himself he'd came to the hospital to rest his nerves.
0: We see lots of nerve resters in AA today, just like old Fred is.
1: The doctor intimated strongly that he might be worse than he realized. For a few days, he was depressed about his condition. Now, he made up his mind to quit drinking altogether. It never occurred to him that perhaps he could do so in spite of his character and standing. Fred would not believe himself an alcoholic. He would not take step one. Much less accept a spiritual remedy for his problem. If you can't take one, you can't take two. We told him what we knew of alcoholism.
0: They told him about step one and step two.
1: And he was interested and could see that he had some of the symptoms. He said, I'm a little bit alcoholic. <laughs> Borderline case. He was a long way from admitting he could do nothing about himself. Now, he was positive that his humiliating experience plus the knowledge he had acquired would keep him sober the rest of his life. Self-knowledge would fix it. Now, we heard no more of Fred for a while. One day we were told that he was back in the hospital. This time he was quite shaky. He soon indicated he was anxious to see us. The story he told is most instructive. For here was a chap, absolutely convinced he had to stop drinking, who had no excuse for drinking, who exhibited splendid judgment, and determination, in all his other concerns, yet was flat on his back nevertheless. Well, let him tell you about it. He said, "I was much impressed with what you fellows said about alcoholism, and I frankly did not believe it would be possible for me to drink again. And I rather appreciate your ideas about that subtle insanity which precedes the first drink. But I was confident it could not happen to me after what I'd learned." I reasoned I was not so far advanced as most of you fellows, that I'd been usually successful in licking my other personal problems, and that I would therefore be successful where you men failed. I felt I had every right to be self-confident. It would be only a matter of exercising my willpower and keeping on guard. Now, this frame of mind, I went about my business, and for a time, all was well. I had no trouble refusing drinks and began to wonder if I had not been making too hard a work of a simple matter. We think Fred began to get drunk right here.
0: He began to say, "My, this staying sober is easy, nothing to this.
1: Yeah. One day I went to Washington to present some accounting evidence to a government bureau. i have been out of town during this particular dry spell, so there's nothing new about that. Physically, I felt fine. Neither did I have any pressing problems or worries. My business came off well. I was pleased and knew my partners would be, too. It was the end of a perfect day. Not a cloud on the horizon. Everything's on top of the world for old Fred. He's doing great, making lots of money, family happy, business associates happy. Everything's good in Fred's life.
0: He said, I went to my hotel and leisurely dressed for dinner. As I crossed the threshold of the dining room, the thought came to mind, it would be nice to have a couple of cocktails and go back to the hospital. Now, that's the truth, isn't it? No way could he drink on the truth. His mind said it would be nice to have a couple of cocktails with dinner. That was all, nothing more. Now, based on the insane idea, he makes a decision, takes some action. I ordered a cocktail in my meal. Then I ordered another cocktail. Now, we got it inside ourselves now. The allergy takes over. After dinner, I decide to take a walk. When I returned to the hotel, it struck me a highball would be fine before going to bed, so I stepped into the bar and had one. I remember having several more that night and plenty next morning. I have a shadowy recollection of being in an airplane bound for New York and of finding a friendly taxicab driver at the landing field instead of my wife. The driver escorted me about for several days. I know little of where I went or what I said and did. Then came to the hospital with unbearable mental and physical suffering. As soon as I regained my ability to think, I went carefully over that evening in Washington. Not only had I been off guard, I had made no fight whatever against the first drink. This time, I had not thought of the consequences at all. I had commenced to drink as carelessly as though the cocktails were ginger ale. Now is Fred's real problem, the fact that he has a physical allergy to alcohol, or that he has a form of insanity? That tells him it's okay to have a couple of cocktails with dinner. The real problem centers in the mind, telling us we can drink rather than the body that ensures we can't. Page 43, last paragraph.
1: You know, Bill had the the idea that self knowledge would fix it. Roland had the idea that self knowledge would fix it. Fred had the idea that self knowledge would fix it. Bill's trying to show us through here, they all have the obsession of the mind. And he's trying to show us through the illustrations of Man of 30, Jim, Jay Walker, and Fred, to tell us one thing. And the last paragraph says, once more. So he just went through all this to, to say once more. The alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink. Except in a few rare cases, neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power. And that is the solution. So you can't heal a sick mind with a sick mind. Self-knowledge won't get it. The more we try to think our way out of it, the deeper into it we get. We must come from a higher power. Our defense must come from a higher power.
0: And you notice he didn't say the practicing alcoholic or the drinking alcoholic. He just said the alcoholic. Now, what that means to me today is that I have no effective mental defense against the first drink. Left on my own resources. Invariably, I'm going to go right back to drinking again. Without the aid of a power greater than human power. Now, if you're the kind of alcoholic that I am, and if you were raised in the church setting that I was raised in, by the end of chapter 3, you are now faced with one hell of a dilemma because he's convinced me in chapter 3 without the aid of a power greater than I am I'm going back to drinking but I also felt that even though that was true it wouldn't be possible for me to get the aid of a power greater than I am because you see like Joe I was raised in a good old southern Baptist church now I've got nothing against a good old southern Baptist church it's a great church So when I was a kid growing up, I'm I'm sure that from time to time they talked about a kind and loving God. But if they did, the message never got to the pew I sat in. Because all I ever remember hearing about God when I was growing up in church was hell, fire, and brimstone, and going to hell for lying and cheating and stealing and drinking whiskey and committing adultery. By the time I got to AA, I'd been doing that for about 20-some-odd years. And I know that God had already told St. Peter, when that little four-eyed sucker gets up here, send them downstairs, we'll not need his kind. (laughs) And I knew that if God had anything to do with me, it wouldn't be anything good. It would certainly be something bad. I remember so clearly when I separated from God. In that Baptist church I grew up in, they gave me the rules. They said, if you do this, this, and this, you'll be okay. If you do that, that, and that, you're going to hell just sure as anything. Now, I didn't have any trouble with their rules at all until I got to be about 12 or 13 years old. And one day it seemed to me that the preacher looked me straight in the eye and he said, son, to think about doing it is just as bad as doing it. (laughs) And I said, Oh shit. I've had it now because I'd been thinking about doing it for a long time. In fact, I'd been thinking about doing it long enough, I was starting to get brain damage from it. And I said, If you're going to hell for thinking about it, then you might as well just go ahead and do it. And I did. And I didn't go to hell immediately. And I said, that sucker has been lying to me all along. I said, he and my parents and my teachers have formed together in a conspiracy to keep me from having any fun. And I said, from this day on, I do not intend to pay any attention to what they have to say. I don't have any intention of following God's rules, their rules, or anybody else's rules. From this day on, I'm going to do it my way, and I'm going to do it whenever I want to, and if they don't like it, to hell with them. Now, when I got to AA, I had that attitude of a 12-year-old boy who had defied God, his parents, and his teachers. And I first walked into AA, I was 38 years old, with the spiritual knowledge of God of that 12-year-old boy. No wonder we have trouble with this God thing when we get to AA. Anybody else ever have those kind of feelings about God and people? And I think Bill recognized that. And I think he said sooner or later, I'm going to have to ask these people to make a decision about God. And I think he said in his mind that they're not going to be able to make that decision based upon old ideas. And that's what I had when I got here, old ideas. And I think he said, I believe I I need to give them some new information about God where they might be able to discard some old ideas, pick up some new ideas, and then they'll be able to make a decision about this God thing. And he wrote another chapter called We Agnostics, which I think is one of the greatest pieces of spiritual information I've ever read in my life. As I read that and studied that, I could see where some of my old ideas, old prejudices about God and religion were wrong. And when I could see where they were wrong, then I could discard them. And then I could accept some new ideas about God. And then I could make a decision. that based on hellfire and brimstone, based on a God of justice... No way could I have ever made the decision about God.